pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I haven't enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Draft Rugby, the game they play in heaven. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Draft Rugby Show, the show they play in heaven. I am Harry and I'm joined by my brother, Nelson, today. Nelson, how are you? Good, mate. Uh, feeling feeling free, ready to go. Ridded ourselves of the dead weight of Kagi, so just feeling can't better. Say that. You can't say that, mate. There was a vote. There was a vote and I can assure when I said, should we drop the dead weight of Kagi, 51% said no, we should keep him. So you but can't look, say that. Was there... Um, He's a man of the people. Overwhelming. voters. Uh, there was a fair few. There was surprisingly a fair few. Was there over a hundred voters? Oh, you're going to make me check. Uh, I yes or no? No, there was not. So I have four accounts. I didn't vote. I'm going to add those votes in late if I can, and we'll get rid of. It's too, too late. late. Nah, you missed it, mate. You gotta be gonna be faster than that. Anyway, we'll push on. Uh, on that note as well, I, I thought it's only fair if I'm gonna give Kagi that kind of treatment, that'll put it on myself as well. And 55% voted yes, he is the greatest. So I'm pretty happy with that result. I'll take my 55%. You're, you're next, mate. You're next. So for all the listeners, if you don't like what Nelson has to say, this is your chance to get rid of him. He's out if he if he goes under 50%. Well, you can show that I'm the most wanted one here. Everyone knows it. Well, I guess we're going to find out next week on the pod. That's that's a reason enough to tune in. But anyway, <laughs> let's keep going. Uh, the round 10 game, we're just going to do a rolling entree here. Hey, The round 10 scores, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because we're recording this midweek. Hurricanes get over the Brums 32 to 27. The Tars over the Highlanders 21 to 20 by a B's uh, phallus. Uh, drew up 14 to 30 down to the Blues in Fiji. So big win for the Blues there. We had Moana losing 33-43 after late comeback against the Rebels. Chiefs getting it done yet again, 34-24 against the Crusaders, proving their worth. And Reds won 31-17 against the Force. Yeah, so uh, plenty of big results there as we kind of push towards finals. And I, th- I think it's now, you know, the top five was pretty much locked in now. Six and seven are starting to tighten up as well. So definitely getting close. But uh, let's talk about tips, Noel. Super Brew is still going. I've climbed up the ranks personally. I don't know if you know where you are, but I'm now top 50 out of 66. I've jumped That's into the top 50, so I'm doing well, but not as well as some. So I can say that in first place, <laughs> in first place, there can be only one, which is what a good name from John Barkley in first place on 63.5 points. Then Sensation, equal top scorer of the round, 62.25 points in second. And in third, Brad Breath on 60 points. So pretty uh, pretty solid, well above me, and I'm sure well above you. You can't conf- confirm where you're at, so I think you're I can. about dead last. Can you? I'm, I'm coming 20th. I'm, I'm I knew you were doing better than me. Yeah, of course. Always. <laughs> sure, sure. All right, well, very good. Congratulations to those guys. We are kind of pushing on with the season now, so uh, they're, they're, uh, they've done very well to be that high and showing the two of us up for, for sure as well. Um no, so we've got a couple of other points to get through here. We've got a couple of listener questions, and then we've got some news. So first question from uh, Rabula on Twitter. He says, what are your guys' thoughts regarding the draft system being proposed in Super Rugby Pacific? 
Look, I, I think it depends what your issue is. Maybe it does bring some interest um, outside the games. It, it gets you to know and maybe make a, uh, make larger stars of players coming in, something that I think American footy does very, very well. You know who these players are long before they turn up, long before they get a run. But I, I think the bigger issue is, you know, we, we're going to get Australian players spread out over more teams, so we're hurting our cohesion. We're going to bring in more Kiwi players because they're probably going to be higher up the the list more than likely each year. And we're going to end up with fewer and fewer Aussies playing in Super Rugby. Yeah, you uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think across the competition, it makes absolutely no sense. You're ruining cohesion. Kiwis players are clearly going to be picked above the Aussie guys and it's going to hurt the Aussies in the long run very, very clearly. And I think it'll probably hurt the Kiwis as well. They'll have plenty of depth. But let's just turn it into the Bunnings NPC then, hey? Um, look, I, I think what could work in my eyes maybe is an Australia draft and a Kiwi draft, and then that way you keep them in the nations. I think the separate point that uh, has been brought up is obviously about eligibility. I've got no problem with an Australian player being eligible if they're playing in a New Zealand team or vice versa, but I just think that there's got to be some cap to it as well. Maybe you can have a couple, a couple, you know, two or three players from the other nation just to add a little bit of depth and hopefully make the competition a little bit more even across the board. We've already got a cap, mate. You've, you, you've got the international cap where you only have, what, two or three players. So all it means is... No, nah, but I'm just, saying it doesn't count towards that. I'm saying because the... And then the Kiwis aren't going to pick him either. So why would any top-class Kiwi come across right now? Well, no, I'm saying I, I agree with changing the eligibility that you can be picked as an Australian player if you're playing in New Zealand and vice versa. But what I'm saying is we already have a cap of international players. We don't need to add another two or three international players allowed in each team. We've already got it. So instead of picking an English bloke, pick a Kiwi, and he can still play for New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, fair. And to be honest, I don't think we really fill the cap for most sides anyway. No. Um, to all. So I guess basically we're both not in favour of it. But uh, maybe in a, do, do you like the uh, Australia-wide one? Look, I, I definitely could see something like that working and, and they could even play it off and really still build the players and the names. Um, you could even do a competition-wide, uh, like both both countries doing the same, uh, what's it called, where you, you, you sprint stats, your lifting stats, your jumping stats, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah, yeah. You combine. combine. You could do a, a combine across the comp, but you can only pick within your nation. Um, that could just build interest from both because then if that's streamed, you're getting to see all the talent coming through. And each year you'll have a couple of big names. Um, we could have had Yorgo coming through, things like that, um, which would definitely add some interest. And I think just promote the new Hot Chip podcast, which is already out there to promote the young guys as well, right? <clears throat> and Yeah, and look, honestly, the draft system, love it. Sounds like draft rugby, so that's something I can get behind. Um, we had another question. This is from... Rugby fixation, but also, you know, friend of the pod, clearly, but also seconded by a guy that you'll, you know, we're seeing a lot more of the the conductor on Twitter. Um, he's getting behind our stuff and and he's got some good views and, and other stuff he puts out. They they said, why do the Highlanders, now with a healthy, healthier squad, still not have Nareki starting or Marino Mikeli Tu'u even in the 23? Is this enough grounds to consider the Highlanders are throwing the match? Uh, I, I had have, I did have a think about this one. I, I think they're not trying to throw the match. I think they're just insane. But I can break it down for a couple of reasons. So first of all, yeah, they're playing the Chiefs this week. 
uh, at home, but it's still the Chiefs. But then they play the Brumbies the week after. Then they have they host the Rebels and Reds, who are two possible wins, and they finish with the Blues in Auckland as well. So they got three out of five very, very hard games. So I don't think resting two weeks out from playing the Rebels makes any sense. So first of all, I don't think they're throwing the game. Secondly, if we go to Jonah Nariki, we know he's coming back from a stress fracture in his foot. So I dare say they were gonna they were originally gonna put him through club rugby. They rushed him over to play the Waratahs after they got spanked by the force. So I dare say they're trying to manage his minutes in the same way they would have, a bit more retrospectively through club rugby had they not rushed him over a week earlier than originally planned. So I think that explains that one. And the Marino Michaelitu question, I can say this is just lunacy manifest as a Marino Michaelitu holder that's held him in my draft team since round one. He's an absolute weapon. I get it. Hugh Renton, Sean Withy have been absolutely excellent. And Sean Withy is about triple the size I thought he was when I saw him in real life against the Tars. But Mikel Etu'u was one of the form loose forwards in the comp two years ago. That makes absolutely no sense to me. He just hasn't had the opportunity to play. And I, um, I'll, I'll add my view. Nareki is on my fantasy side. Get the man on and get him bulk minutes. He played 25 minutes last week. Surely you can give him like 50 minutes this week. Double it up. Could have got him, get him starting. At least bring him on at the start of second half. Get this guy more minutes. Don't give him 25 minutes. That's not building anything. Mick Ailey too. Jeez, they're just, that back row is is in some form. Um, Renton has been immense. And Withy has looked really, really good as well. Frizzell is there. And at, at times recently, Frizzell's probably looked the weakest of the three of those guys we've just mentioned. That's concerning that they got Mick Ailey too and Frizzell as their two lower performing Back rowers out of that lot. So, yeah, they've, they've got some back row depth. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Absolutely. Um, so thanks for the question, guys. What we will get, I think we've got a few more in the preview as well, but let's go the top couple of stories of the week, Nels, before we catch up with the uh, the preview of this week. First of all, Andy Marinos quits as the CEO, seemingly out of absolutely nowhere. And there's been some, I feel like there's some subtle mudslinging from all the reporters <laughs> on the internet since then as well. Yeah, interesting. We were chatting to him only on Friday night and they definitely didn't get any vibe that anything was up. He was walking around chatting to people and, and didn't seem like he was worried about anything. But, yeah, no, the big talk about it is that um, maybe he didn't like the look or he was the only no vote on the Rugby Australia board for bringing in Suwali or Suwali'i, however you want to pronounce it, um, and wasn't keen on the other NRL players um, coming across, he, he's done a lot of good for like uh, that they're trying to get across. You look confused. Um, there's a long list that Rugby Australia's put out. He seems disinterested in any of them. Um, he didn't want to bring Eddie back until 2024. That was his goal as well after the World Cup. Um, yeah, I think to... definitely some some different viewpoints to uh, yeah. to the rest of the board. So maybe yeah. it was uh, just, I guess, differences of opinion. And he's probably thinking, well, if I keep going the other way, and I'm not being voted with. Maybe I'm not belonging here. But I, I you know, I, I think he's a good foil. He's so different to Hamish McLennan. And I think it's yeah. good to have a board with different opinions in the room rather than echo chamber. So I'm I'm disappointed personally. I, I was a bit skeptical coming from Sanza, where we never really saw anything of him at all. I thought he'd done quite a good job um since yes. he's been put up as CEO. So I'm I'm a bit disappointed and he's a good guy too. Yeah, look, he, I mean, he loves his rugby. He's, he's around talking to fans. Um, he's hes done well. He's brought us, you know, from a significant deficit into making a profit, you know, last year. 
he's been looking into you know a bit more centralization he's been looking into um you know the the new deal with super rugby moving forward maybe pe you know private equity coming in he, he's done a lot of good things um but yeah it just seems like he's taken us to the phase where he's created a bit more stability and brought us back into a profit and now you know with this four or five year period or i mean technically seven year period up when we're talking about the the women's world cup as well he, he's maybe not the man to try to, to push to grow the game in, in different ways. He wasn't super interested with, you know, um, the Sunwolves and things at, at times. He didn't really want to expand into to Japan as well uh, And when recent talks were, were there. Um, and, you know, as well with, by all reports as well, similar with rugby championships growing and bringing in Fiji and Japan and things. So I think he didn't want to do things too different. And I think he's conservative. I think he's conservative and McLennan is very aggressively we proactive. Need, we need something different <clears throat> into this next four or five years to get as many eyeballs on the game. And, and Suwali has been a massive part of that so far. So far. Yeah, and that's a year before he even comes across. Anyway, yeah. that's uh, that, that's all, all good points. Nels, the other one? Uh, so we now have reports that Nick White is likely heading west um, Larkin wants to keep him in Brumby land down in ACT. Surely White wants to go to some greener, warmer pastures near the coast. Um, but yeah, he's rumoured to be linked even potentially with James O'Connor, who, you know, is another name thrown out as a guy that could be signing with the force. <clears throat> and this is off the back of the the signings we had, you know, a fortnight ago of Tizano and Nicerani. They're, they're really coming through in the last few weeks of, of trying to bring these guys across or at least link them and, and, and prevent them from going offshore. I wish I heard this stuff a month ago because I never would have had my blow up. Like there's so many fantastic what signings. Do you mean? This is why they're doing those signings. Oh, right? it's because of us. Hey, listen to it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Even better then. Look, no, it's 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 fantastic news. I love it. I know there was an article a couple of weeks ago, Nick White saying he really wanted to stay in Australia, but uh that given him rugby Australia giving him a significantly reduced contract. They were kind of suggesting to him that he was at the end of his career. The guy's 30 or 32 or something. Like he's still really quite young and he wants to stay around for the next five years. So I think he's one of the world's best halfbacks. I think he's by far and away our best halfback. And I think it's lunacy that they're not offering him a big contract than what they are. The only downside, I think, for the force here, and there are so many positives about these signings, but James O'Connor is another one. Both these guys are very experienced players that are used to being paid a pretty large sum of money that are clearly not going to be getting any sort of decent Rugby Australia top-up contract, which means the Western force are, again, going to be using a hell of a lot of their salary cap to try and pay for them, and they're not going to get the Wallaby top-ups that they should be getting to support them to have to hold them in the club. So that's that's my big worry. I think it just I'm I'm starting to wonder how the force are going to be able to, how to do this under the cap. Um because they're not going to get the help they should really be from rugby Australia. I feel like they'll get some leniency for keeping players here and the fact that they're having their rebuild after everything. I know we've seen leniency in the past for the force and the rebels um when they came aboard, especially the rebels. I know they had a lot of leniency when they they created the club. But um, it's a tricky one. Nick White in a month will be 33, and he's That's talking exactly. about wanting to talking to be wanting to be here for the World Cup, the next World Cup. You're talking 2027, 20, so he'll be 37 years old. Um, but he's he's such a good player. The 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 thing is, if he wants to stay in Australia, he's got the choice of taking a, a significant pay cut 
or maybe giving up that hope to stay and, and finishing in greener pastures in terms of more money. Like that's the, the choices you get in, in Australia and New Zealand. You can't stick around on big money when we're trying to hold talent moving forward. I want him to stay. But the thing is, we just don't have the cash to have him signed, Gordon signed, Tate signed. And yeah, I mean, pers- keep- personally, I think that's the exact, mm-hmm. I, I think you're exactly right. In that yeah. case, I just think Tate or Jake should go overseas for two years and come back a better, more complete player when Nick White is getting a bit further into his contract, you know. Make him sign for 2025 back into Super Rugby, the guy, whoever goes overseas. So then all three are signed over the Lions period, you know what I mean? And hopefully they come back a better player if you can't keep them all. But Nick White's our best nine. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I think that this is one of the tricky things we're going to see moving forward as well, is where opening up eligibility overseas, they're going, we can lose him and we can pick him from overseas. That's one of the thoughts. You know, he's played enough with these guys. We can lose him. We don't have to pay his salary. Yeah. And we can bring him back, and he's he's got that experience. But it's we not haven't really got any clarity around that, though, do we, about the eligibility overseas? No, Eddie's talked about looking into it and maybe making changes to see if something else is needed to make it be you know, beneficial for Rugby Australia, as in do they pick more <laughs> players, not less get rid of the ability to pick any of the players. Yeah, it's 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 far from a done deal though. Anyway, um, great news for the force. I, I'm I'm very excited to see where they head with it, and uh, we'll touch on the other guys that you you named in the preview as well. So let's push on to the main main course. So round eleven of Super Rugby is up this week again. No more buys for the rest of the competition. So how good is it having a full week uh, ahead of us? But firstly, on the Friday night we have the Highlanders versus the Chefs. It's uh, going to be no new injuries, I don't think. Is that right? Neither the Highlanders or the Chiefs camp. Um, as far as I know, yep. Except for I'm assuming surely there's something wrong, wrong with um, uh, Miguel too, because that just hurts too much otherwise. I would say there is one late one, sorry. Brody Retallick uh, misses out this week with a groin strain, so he's out. And Atene Nanai Saturo is also not in the squad, but we don't really know if that's rotation or if there's actually an injury there nothing's been named online um returning we've got billy Harmon coming back to captain the side from personal reasons you got martin bagato i believe is is fit now but he hasn't been picked in the 23 now that it's come out so i, I suspect that he's actually just not being selected at the moment then you got josh dixon coming back from family bereavement he's back on the bench this week mm. as well yeah um interesting one i think he's he's a really important part of what the the Highlanders need, uh, Fabian Holland brings in you know really good line out and and even locking uh, lock and, and I think between him and Dixon that that strengthens a significant weakness for them. Um, but yeah, we're going to see him off the bench. Yeah, and then the last one you had a uh, Anton Leonard Brown finally back from his round one ankle sprain straight into the starting jersey, which I love. And Alex Nankervell is back on the bench after a concussion. Play back in round five. It just it blows my mind that it's been that long that those two have been out for and they've been doing so well. Daniel Warner has been a standout. So is Boy Hippie. So the, the depth those guys have at centres is just ridiculous. And seemingly, not from nowhere, but seemingly from nowhere with Rona. <laughs> You're talking pretty well, he yes. He's a tradie. He's working part-time. How yeah, do you got the fitness to just come in and get up to speed and play like that is outrageous. And, he, and he's the one who's still starting this week. But Nankavell, we knew, was good. He was a backup for them, but we knew he was, a, as a weapon, poi hippie as well, very, you know, inexperienced in compare, compared to Anton Leonard-Brown. But 
geez, this is looking like a class center pairing, you know, four or five options that can just put their hand up week in, week out. If anyone's missing, it doesn't matter. They don't miss a beat. Yeah. The uh, the the odds on this one, you got yeah. the Chiefs as favorites, 115 to the Landers at $5. The line is 13 and a half. So a couple of converted tries, and it's just whether or not McKenzie kicks the conversion, basically, is it? Yeah, it sounds like it, but... I'm not sure. What's the record that the Chiefs have beat in the Highlanders? Did that happen earlier this year? Because uh, there was a trend happening for a while. Yeah, I, I can find that out very quickly for you because I think were they the if they 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 faced them round three they beat them by twenty one it was twenty eight to seven and that was not the record I think it was like twenty three or twenty four points like it was it was Just around there. there they were pretty close yeah so look for the Chiefs to do that um, <laughs> you're starting with the tip are you. Yeah, well, probably. Uh, I don't know. Like the the Highlanders aren't last place. They're they're nowhere near the the other Pacific Islander sides uh, in uh, Moana, very last. And I think Indrua might be coming eleventh. Um, but the Highlanders, it would be fun to call them the Sunlanders. That's that just sounds fun at the moment. Form <laughs> they're in, even if it's not fully deserved. Yeah, after their one-point loss last week. Look, I, th- I think what we learned last week was Aaron Smith is just absolutely incredibly important to this side. He's obviously trying to peak for the World Cup this year because he will be the All Black starting nine. He essentially carried the team to within a whisker of beating the Tars last week, particularly when he drew a penalty, put a 40-20, a 50-22 across, then off that line out, managed to dart through and score himself. Like, it was just ridiculous. He's... To be playing that well for as long as he has, he is an outrageous talent. And it's going to be really interesting to see him partner with Freddie Burns this week as well, who slots in at the 10 jersey. Hunt drops back to the bench. That's a pretty experienced 9-10 option. So it'll be interesting to see if they can steer the team around with a bit more purpose than maybe what they have in the past. Experience, but not cohesive. And then we're throwing in a couple other changes in the back line. And, and that adds a little bit of a concern for me, Scott Gregory, where we're a fan of old rosy cheeks. Um, coming in at, at, at 11, you've got Connor Garden Bashup on the right wing. Um, and then we've got Sam Gilbert shifting back to fullback. Pyre had played, you know, off and on throughout the year, hasn't been there the, the entirety of the year. There's not a lot of cohesion in that back line for me, especially when you're looking at that 9-10 combo. But there is class. There's a lot of talent there. And, and some of them are young. You know, we've talked positives of Connor Garden Bashep, then we've looked at some of his matches in recent weeks and think that maybe he isn't up to it in terms of the standard of Super Rugby currently. But then he goes and, and pulls out a few really, really solid runs and, and, and looks pretty positive last week. So I think you're pretty harsh there. I reckon if you went if you dropped in Mitch Hunt at N for 10 for Freddie Burns, I reckon that six to fifteen is close to their like most consistently picked side. Well, I mean the, if you look at Scott Gregory, no, that's obviously not true. I mean, he's been injured, but he's been playing at that at that team for years at centre and wing. So it's not like he's new to the team. Never played with Freddie Burns. Basically never well, played. Basically just Freddie Burns. <laughs> no, Pyre, you know, uh, Thomas and William Jensen played a fair bit of 13 at points last year as well. Um, Connor Garner Bashup's been fullback and wing. Sam Gilbert was centre last week. Like, there is still chopping and changing. Yeah, absolutely. So mainly positional changes, I think, as, as well. Interesting that Gilbert's just moved straight back to 15. I assume he played inside centre purely to give Taj a rest last week. I think um, so, but we've also got no James Lowe 
as well. That's another one that's been there, a fair bit that's dropped back out. Yeah, well, he's um, played, I think, pretty much every minute of every game, it's, I, I think. Like, he's, yeah, a, a bigger mission. And, again, I reckon that it's just a rotation now that they've got more more fit legs because there's been no word on an injury from him. And and he's been kind of their Mr. Mister like consistent, solid winger as well that's just kind of doing his role. So, uh, in the in the forward pack, uh, you mentioned Will Tucker, um, Fabian Holland, who is a big, big boy and a talented young lock still in the side. And then in the front row, they stay with DeGroot, Macaleo and Ainsley. I think that, that front row in particular is very strong. Um, but the Chiefs have got an exceptional scrum as well. So I, I think their set piece is going to really struggle, but I, I do think the rest of their team should be able to match it a little bit closer than maybe in the past. There's just not enough strike power still there for me. I'm not sure how they can put enough points on the board. That's my biggest worry. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to really look for a lift later in the game with Nareki Fakatava. With the Dixon, those guys sort of coming on towards the back end of of the match, but um, yeah, I, I don't know how they turn it around. They they do have talent and they have guys that can split the game open, but a, a lot of this these players in that back line have not been consistently informed. Pyre off and on, Garden Bashup off and on. Gilbert has been good and safe. Um, Burns we haven't seen lots of. Smith is in blistering form, but like there, there is concerns. Thomas Omonga Jensen's been quiet for a lot of the season, has shown glimpses where he looks really, really good. Um, so for me, I think this back line is, is going to have to step up massively or, or it's going to be a tough ask for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On the Chiefs side of things, I guess the big news on their end is that Damian McKenzie has signed for a couple more years. So surely he ends up as the All Blacks 10 uh, next year. After the World Cup, if not this World Cup, mate, I oh, he again last form. year, last week. He is in such good form. He is honestly. It, Barrett's been pretty average this year, hasn't he? Uh, <laughs> hot and cold. I would I wouldn't say average. I think he's actually warmed into the season, but he, he, he has been a bit hot and cold. He's been very much a distributor at ten, not taking the ball to the line very much at all. DMAC, you can put him at ten, you can put him at fifteen, and that bloke is running through the defense, creating gaps, everything around him. His versatility and how good he's playing at ten is is huge at the moment. And no, not many people would be putting him above Barrett, but he is looking good. So he's he's got that future jersey locked in. Well, on the on the point of DMAC, how do you actually feel the Highlanders try and? stop him from dominating like he has been? Uh, it's an interesting one. I, I mean, he does shift out to, to fullback at times and or links with Sean Stevenson in, in D and you'll find them both floating around towards the back. Um, you've got to nullify both of those two players. Um, we, you can't leave the ball in open play when you're kicking. It has to be high, it has to be short, and you have to have people on them. Um, if you create any space or time in hand for for those two players with with the ball, um, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, I think the counter-attack is huge. You have to take that away from them. And considering we've just said that uh, the Highlanders' strength is not going to be their set piece, I don't think it's a good sign if they need to go to set piece to slow the the game down and they're not going to actually be that competitive there. Maybe there's a bit of an opportunity at line-out time with Brody Retallick, you know, the the fantastic All Blacks lock not being there. But that does worry me. Um, Then I think the other one is you just have to find a way to stop DMAC's quick ball 
he you can't just rush him. I, I believe there was a few it was a few weeks ago now, but I, I'd be surprised if it's changed that he was the most kicking ten in the competition. He's just got such an array of excellent short kicks. So if you rush him, he just puts a cute little chip kick in and the ball just inevitably bounces up for Shooter Stevenson or Amoni Narawa who just scores immediately because that's just what they do. Um, and if you hold off on him, then he just runs and scores himself. So I don't know, is there any way to stop, to stop him at the moment? The way you stop him is try to slow the ball getting to him. You know, like yeah. it's it's Frizzell, Harmon, Renton, um, with you when he comes on to to really slow that breakdown and be pests at that breakdown. I'm not sure who the ref is, but we have seen a lot of inconsistencies. We noticed it in the Waratahs match last week where refs are not policing the the breakdown as consistently as, as you'd expect. So I would be trying to slow the ball down as much as possible early in this match and see how much of the boundaries you can push around that. Because if the ball's coming slow, your defense is set, it means it makes it a little bit that little bit tougher on DMAC. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Forsyth Bar Stadium, I should mention as well. So, I mean, there's always more points scored there. So this one could be a big score. Um, what else? Score. Uh, yeah, obviously, we mentioned the change having ALB in the centre, which is going to make a big, big difference to them. Um, Penny Arce, Mali Mali gets a start on the left wing as well. Um, they've got no outside backs on the bench. They've got uh, Bryn Gatlin, Cordes Ratama and Alex Nankavel. So I guess... They've used Nankavel plenty on the wing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, very true. But I, I suspect that he's surely going to sub in for Daniel Rona and reunite the uh, the dream team ALB in him. Uh, you'd think so, but um, Penny Mully Mully hasn't had a lot of game time. Uh, he, he's not young and he's not inexperienced, but he is at this level. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Nankervell come in there if he's not really stepping up. Um, Mully Mully, if you look at his stats uh, in the past, he's... You know, NPC, 66 tackle percentage last year. Um, he, he's going to have his, you know, his hands full at, at times throughout this match with some some strong wingers. But so Connor Garden but, matchup to have a field day in fantasy points. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. He, he could do well, but, um, yeah, it, it's He'll still going to be... he as many uh, as he makes. He does miss a lot. <laughs> <laughs> i got one more question for you on this one. You when he comes on, at least. One more question. Yeah. They've still yep. got Luke Jacobson at eight, Peter Gus at six. Have you worked out why yet? I have not. I have not worked out why. They, they seem to be the only team that hasn't realised that it is easier for an eight to pick and run off the back of a scrum. Like, it, it, give the few teams a little bit longer and you're probably going to have Cam Clark picking it up at number eight. You're going to have... I think I know why. I think I know why. The only thing I can think is because Luke Jacobson's got a better long ball cut out straight to D-Mac so D-Mac can just continue to score or set up a try with every touch of the ball. That's the only reason I can think. Look, I wouldn't hate them putting D-Mac at the back of the scrum so no one has to pass it to him. He just gets the ball quick. The middleman. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I I can't wait to see someone do that. Surely like a... um, Corin Betty or something like that just needs if these laws come through like he's the perfect eighth man isn't he Corin Betty he's got to score every time how do you, you stop him the wing. you play him on the wing and you bring him in there's there's nothing in the the game to say you have to play your number eight at the back of yeah the exactly that's what I mean yeah, yeah I, I can't wait anyway let's we we digress the uh, tip Nelson so the line's thirteen and a half which way are you going on this line I'm going the Chiefs uh, to win by. 
just looking at the team. Uh, I'm going to say they're going to win by 20 points. I went 22. So we've gone one point either side of the last matchup. So you think they've been behind as improved? I don't think they have. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. I just... You know, Antoine Brown, old legs, tired, mully mully. Oh, <laughs> that is blasphemy. Look, I, I just I just thought Forsyth Bar was worth four points. I was originally gonna say eighteen. So Forsyth Bar, that's where that's where dreams are made as a fan. I just want the landers to do something. Let's move along. Pushing um, on on the Saturday, we have the Fijian and Drua versus the Hurricanes. Uh, new injuries on this one, Nels. I don't think there's any that we know of just yet from the Andrua, um, but we do have James Blackwell and Caleb Delaney both out with concussion. And then it looked like Peter Amunga Jensen. We saw him grimacing after making a tackle out in the wing, and then he limped off about a minute later. So nothing confirmed there. There's just been nothing posted. But, you know, there was already question marks about all their other centres. So... Uh, that might pose a little bit of a problem. Maybe the Ndrua could give them one of their centres because they seem to have plenty at the moment. Um, in terms of the return column, I think all we have is Dane Coles returning from his concussion. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, and Meli Deranolangi was said that he was having a rest for cramp because hmm. he was just overworked about five weeks ago. So surely that bloke's got to be somewhere near it considering that he was their captain but I think, uh, is it Thana Kavata that's been playing in his jersey has been so good as well. Maybe they're just going to rest him for a few more weeks so he can keep playing at the moment because that guy is a weapon. Technically five weeks, it's still a rest. Um, it's just <laughs> a very, very long one. In it's terms of the, uh, the betting line for this one, the Ndrua are paying $4. The Canes are paying $1.22. And the line is 11.5. <laughs> Do you think the Drew will cover an 11.5 head start? That's that's going to be interesting to see. I reckon, um, I reckon it is at will. home. I reckon it is will. at home. Look, I this is my my little interesting point on this one. So the Fijian home crowd effect. So when they're at home, they score 25.6 points. When they're away, they score 24.3. Not a huge difference. 1.3 difference, right? But when they're at home, they concede 27.3 points. When they're away, they concede 42.8. So pretty much it's 15 points difference if they're at home. So what happens is they tighten up their D. They've got an extra man in D with this extra push from uh, the the home fans. But it doesn't change the attack. Uh, And they're going to need to score some points against the Canes in this one. Yeah, I mean... All I can see here is that the difference is, what, like two points or something? So they're going to go down by two. So that's way better than the line. Look, I I actually, we won't get to the tip just yet, but um, I I think that they've been so good at home. The Blues were a bit of a blip. I'm still not 100% convinced by the Hurricanes. They did well to beat the Brumbies, I think, relatively comfortably in that second half last week in New Zealand. But at the same time, I, I just don't think the Brumbies actually played very well at all. So I, I still think that there's some question marks over there. Uh, maybe just their ability to hang with the other top four. They're definitely in the top five teams in the comp, but um, that other top four, I think, are probably just a class above on most weeks. Um, what do you reckon about the actual Hurricanes team? Um, look, I, I've had a question this year, which I, I think early on I, I knew the answer to, but 
starting to feel is Jordan Jordy really there twelve. Um, they've they've got a lot of center options. Morby is doing very well at fifteen, but Jordy isn't flourishing consistently at the twelve jersey as we have seen him in the fifteen jersey. Does it mean you just need to give him more time, thinking that he's that's what he is and he's is a future twelve and a long term twelve prospect? Do you think he's a long term twelve prospect? Uh, I I. See it at the start of the year, but he just doesn't seem to be able to have a big effect on the game. That's my biggest worry right now. I really don't think he's used that much of an effective uh, distributor. I don't think he gets gain line for the team. I, I, I'm, I just don't think he imposes himself very well. So no, I at, at the moment I, I don't think so. I actually genuinely think the experiment is failing, and I was pretty excited by it to start the year. I think. To me, David Havili is so far above him in his couple of games since coming back from injury. It's just, yeah, I, if, if I was him, I'd be saying, hey, can I have a few games at fullback, to be honest? Yeah, uh, he he does not look like he's evolving in that 12 jersey. And it, it seems maybe he's overthinking. He still plays a role in the team, but he's not breaking the line. You know, we're still seeing his kick being used, but... You know, we can see that at, at 15, um, he's physical indeed. That's that's well and good that he's a, a big body, but he isn't stepping up to be, you know, a, a standout 12 in a position where they, they do have talent. Um, and if they've got to squeeze him in and they're, they're trying to build utility, then great. But Geordie isn't a man that they, they use for utility. He's a man that they start in the 15 for the All Blacks. Yeah. Um, and this probably isn't doing that favours. Yeah, I think it's really going to hurt his All Blacks chances. I, I, I definitely agree. The only thing I would say is I, I think he will stay at centre for the Hurricanes for the next couple of weeks, just purely because of the injury clouds that are around Billy Proctor with his shoulder, Balen yeah. Sullivan with whatever it is. No one's been able to tell us. And Ruben Love, uh, not Ruben Love, uh, with Peter Munger Jensen limping yeah. off on the weekend as well. So there, there's a lot of depth issues there. I, I think this could be the week. That we get the bus back to outside centre, Kenny Naholo on the wing. What do you think? Yeah, like I mean, Sevilla's found a little bit of confidence in in recent weeks, and and the hollows look really good. I mean, there's something to it, you know. There's definitely something there that you you can fit them both in and, and give Sevilla that chance there. Why there's a gap? So. I, I haven't got the table in front of me. I hope you can pull it up while I while I talk. But the run home, the Hurricanes obviously have the Drua this week and then Moana, so the bottom couple of teams. But then they played the Chiefs, the Blues, and the Crusaders. I would pick them to lose those last three games. How far ahead are they from sixth and seventh? Is it is it inconceivable that they drop out of the top five? Look, they're sitting at 31 points with seven win- wins from nine. The Blues are just behind them by one point. The Crusaders are just behind them by three points. I'm not so worried about those guys. They're all overtaking them. Let's five. But then you've got the Reds and the Tars. Reds are on 19. Tars are on 17. Long gone. All right. They're, they're going to finish in fifth. Well, I mean, if you go four wins, that brings the uh, – I mean, three wins would bring the Tars up and the force uh, the reds up to pretty much on point. If you said they're losing those three yeah, the, games, yeah, but the problem is they've got two wins out of Drew and Moana. Yeah, yeah, the fact. Yeah, so it's they're they're going to finish top five. It's just now a matter of can they get themselves a home semi final? Sorry, a home final, basically. I'd be so sure that they're going to get a a win in in Fiji. Many I'm teams. Not, have- I'm not so sure, but I think one win is enough to seal top five for them. It is. 
yeah. yeah. So we can we can move on from that one. Um, or maybe not. Top, yeah, I don't think that they're going to finish top four. I, I I know the Hurricanes fans might not like the sound of that, unless Cam Roygaard just carries them to more wins like he has all year because he's probably the biggest freak of the competition right now. But speaking of Roygaard, how about the next generation spine at the Hurricanes? They've got a Safa Amour, who is outrageous. They have Cam Roygaard, who came seemingly from nowhere to be probably the form halfback of the comp. They got Aiden Morgan, who is starting to run the ball again. He scored last weekend, I think, from a dart. He still doesn't quite look as confident as what he was last year when he was just handed the keys for the season. But he's growing. He's running the ball. He's attacking the line. He's playing his game. So it's good to see. And then with, you know, the likes of Geordie Barrett outside of him, I think he can afford to do that. And I, know, I think he knows that as well. And then Morby just killing it in the 15 as well. Yeah, that that's a, a spine I think that can build significantly moving forward. And and you've got the likes of Billy Proctor around their career stepping up. A lot of young players that are I would just up. say as well, Artie Sevilla, he he counts for the last generation and the next generation. He'll be there starting eight forever. He's, he's every generation. Um yeah. <laughs> but they've also got Brett Cameron as well. So there's they've got tens that can push each other. Um, moving forward. So uh, look, that was something that I saw and I, I think an interesting thing that you know, they're doing well now um, and maybe, as you touched on, not as well as, you know, some people might perceive, but they're, they're doing very well. But this is a very young spine for them and it's going to only get better and better. Yeah. And uh, look, the, the uh, only other points I want to bring up here for the Hurricanes, Kenny Naholo, I mentioned him before. I think he's due a start, whether or not Bus ends up at outside centre on the bench. But Kenny is just electric, and I think he looked great off the bench again last week. So absolutely want to see him get a run this week. Um, and then the other one I had was uh, Marcy and Vota at centres in uh, in the Fijian and Drua. Revovo is obviously just killing it as well. I, I think that the rotation around there is not really helping at the moment. I think Vota's probably on form, just got to ride the bench. Is that what you think as well? Uh, look, at the moment, I'd say so, um, it, which is something that seems really hard to to chew if you're, if you're a Vodder fan off the back of last year. He was so good. Um, but Marcy has usurped him for mine. Revovo isn't going to get budged. Um, and and they, they've found some outside back options, so they don't need to shift Marcy, which I, I don't really think worked for them anyway, onto the wing uh, with the Ronnie Sal, Robert Amanda, Droa Sessi. Um, and and a few other guys around. So for me, uh, I think Vota keeps to it keeps riding the bench. Yep. And tip for this one, we said the line's eleven and a half. I I said it earlier. I think the Endroa will beat the line. I've got them down for the Hurricanes to win by eight. I think they'll blow it out just away from a a bonus point. Although I'm not that confident to be honest. It could be a little bit closer, but I have got the Canes by eight. You, that was exactly what I had in my mind, eight. So that's why I then aggressively. Um, look, I'll go lower just to be, yeah, just to be nice. Um, I, I think nice. at home it, it gets you an extra bonus point. You know, you you you, you think eight? I think you're wrong, mate. It's going to be one more point going the way of the draw, and they're gonna they're gonna lose only by seven points. Right, sounds good. All right, uh, Crusaders versus the Force also on Saturday. A host Sorry? of Fuck it, they're gonna lose by two. I'm gonna my stats that I said before, mate. That's consistent. They're gonna lose by two. All right, I like it. The Crusaders versus the Force. The Crusaders dealing with a few injuries. They had 
Finlay Brewers and Chafiaki both pulled pregame. We're not sure exactly where they're at yet. Dallas McLeod came off with a shoulder injury. Uh, I suspect he he may well have found himself out of the 23 anyway with all the cattle coming back. For the no. fourth, they've lost Bryce Hegarty to a knee injury, Tim Anstey to a concussion, uh, Santiago Madrano to a pregame rib injury that I think he'll actually return from. Uh, Raboni Busayatho missed last week for the, the birth of his second child. Um, and then there was one more, Bailey Kunzel as well, I think injured his hamstrings, so he's gone as well. Uh, so, uh, again, a long list of injuries for both teams. And uh, I'll let you do the returning players, but I'm just going to say surely, surely we get Will Jordan coming back. I did read something about a week ago. Like, no, no, it must have been Monday. That was just like, oh, all of a sudden he's a week-to-week proposition again. What happened two weeks ago? It was like, oh, he could basically play this week. Now they're not that confident again. I I read things I read it differently, mate. I, I at no point have I thought he was an assured return. He was already on the field, mate. He was wearing the jersey in the training in their change rooms before. Of course he was, because he can't wear it on the field when the game's on. So they're getting him wearing the jersey um during training. So look, I honestly, Will Jordan is not even in my mind until he's on the field. Uh, until he's named, it means nothing, mate. He's he is not back until we see a lineup with him in. Get him out of your mind, drop him out of your fantasy team, whatever you need to do. But we also got nice Rani potentially returning. Now, he's been rehabbing a knee injury. Uh, and, just, and as you said, Medrano hopefully will, will still be able to play after his little rib injury as well. Uh, the betting line on this one, eh? this is this is pretty solid. The Crusaders are paying all of a dollar and two cents. The Force are paying $11.00. There's another match that of these similar odds, and would I you put a hundred on? Would you put a hundred on Crusaders for that? To make two dollars? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. I, and look, I'd probably put, you know, whatever amount of cents I need to put put on the force to to make that two dollars instead. Um, the line, so force to pay eleven dollars. The line is twenty four and a half. So not only three tries, throw in a penalty. And that's roughly where you're at. So that's pretty, pretty rough and grim for Force fans. I think that's tough. Crusaders, uh, first of all, hashtag get Nano on. I don't know when the last time we said that was. Um, I did regularly, just regularly. slide him in here quite subtly on the background for those watching on video. Um, I don't think it's going to happen because, let's be honest, we all know Will Jordan will be back this week. Um, but, look, the uh, the front row, can I just mention to Mighty Williams at the moment, he has been absolutely outrageous. Seeing him pick up from the back of the ruck and dive for the line last week, like once he was in the air, it's a try. No one's going to stop that guy when he's actually moving like that. There's no possible way. No one's catching him. No one's going to put themselves underneath because they'll be crushed. It's a try every single time when he dies like that. But having said that, Oli Yeager, second game back, if, I, I don't know how confident he is in his own neck, but surely Williams deserves a rest as well. Look, uh, Tamani Williams, uh, not only are they doing those things that you're saying, but he's getting used more, you know, one or two passes off a, a, a ruck and a breakdown, leading the, you know, the the pod moving forward. So he's... um. He's just been everywhere on the field, and, and he probably does deserve the rest. And, and you know, the line's 24.5 points. Maybe this is the time you, you give him a rest. Um, Harry, Will Jordan? No, he's not playing, mate. Ignore him. Um, 
Look, the the other names we touched on returning, uh, obviously Tizano, he came back last week, made 21 of 21 tackles, 12 carries for 46 metres, four tackle busts, one a turnover. This kid is 22 years old. Couldn't get minutes for the Waratahs last year. Headed offshore. We all sighed uh, thinking, no, we've lost him. He's going to end up playing for Italy or something along those lines. And he's back. And, geez, one week back, and people realise we missed this kid. He's only 22. He's so good. I, I loved him at the Tars, and I completely yeah. understand why he left. Um, great yeah. to see him back at the force. I just think it's such a good fit. Okay. He's a weapon. Um, the other one's Nicerani. Like, apparently, reportedly, he is very close or likely to be back, is what I think I've seen this weekend. Yeah. So I mean, Raboni, we said is on the is is coming back from his young young son's birth. Um, I, I think that really Tim Anstey's out. It makes it pretty easy, doesn't it? Wells goes to uh, six, Nasserani at eight, and you're away. And you're probably looking pretty bloody good. Yeah, geez, you're looking very bloody good. But look, the, the issue is how fit is he? I don't think he's played a lot of footy for for some time, not only off his injury, I think leading into that as well. Like it's been a fair bit of time. Hmm. So whether he comes in off the bench I'm not sure. They they haven't really been backing the likes of Pew. Um, so I it, it's probably a, a tough ask for them. Um, I mean, Bonnie could start. They could they Bonnie could start Nasserani on the bench. But I just think Nasserani's got an, an absolute engine. He's one of those guys that to me he looks like he could not play for six months and you chuck him in Super Rugby and he'd still make eighteen tackles and twenty four runs. Like that's just the guy that he is. Uh, my worry about Nasserani is that. When he was playing, I think at the Brums, he had this this habit of having a blinder and then disappearing for a game. And I just wonder if Cron can get him in um, in the state of mind to to back up week on week on week because obviously he's coming back wanting to play for the Wallabies. You're wondering how if it was six months ago, was his last game good or bad? Is that basically what you're wondering if he goes good, bad, good, bad? Yeah, that's right. Last game like yeah. Watch the tape, and if it was bad, pick him up. Look, he's he's been at the Force, he's been at the Brumbies, he's been at the Rebels, and he's back at the Force. Um, that's a, that's a lot of time moving around clubs, and and he hasn't been at a club for for more than a few years. Um, so it, he's an interesting one. We we know he's a massive prospect. He's still only twenty eight years old. Uh, he's a Wallaby. We love him on the field, but I would just love to see him be at the Force long term and build some consistency there. And that might be the thing that, you know, gets them consistent on the field. I got, I've got my main concern for the force. And that is that I think uh, Hegarty is going to be gone. So I think that then that then just starts to question, what are they going to do around 10 and 12? And I don't think they have another good answer, particularly considering that uh, Bailey Kundal is gone as well. I think what we're going to see is Hamish Stewart slides into the 10 Jersey, but then who do they play at 12? I, I think it has to be Pullman, and I, I still just think you know I've I've said it before. I think he just got a, he has a little bit more growth to go before he's consistent at this level. He just still makes a few too many errors from errors for my liking. So I think that's a, a real weakness that's going to be looked to be exposed by the likes of Richie Mawonga and David Havili, like two players that you just do not want to show weakness to. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, the only other names that are there are Grayson Makara, who we haven't really seen. 
Um, Oliver Cummins, who we haven't seen. They've got Foliaki, who's I think maybe once come off the bench. Mm. Um, uh, maybe he's a physical centre as, as an option for, for 12. He's a Kiwi himself. Um, Tongan history, I think he's played for Tonga as well. Jack, Jack, Jake Strawn, they've thrown into every other position. He could probably fill into that 12 jersey as well. But there, there is issues for them in that 10-12 axis, and, and it's going to be a tough week. The um, the other one that I wanted to talk about just lastly for this game was just the scrum. Last week, the Crusaders battled a little bit against the Chiefs, almost surprisingly, considering it's been such an area of strength. Um, whereas the Force last week got pumped by the uh, the Red Scrum, which, you know, was inconceivable, but they just lost so many men. I, I worry even with Madrano coming back that they have a young Lucy and they have Horton, who, as good as he's around the park, is pretty, yeah. uh, I guess, lacks a bit of physicality in the scrum as well. I, I think that there's an issue there that the set piece is just going to go massively against the Force and this one could blow out. But what do you think? What, what's your tip for it? Mine's 24 and a half. <laughs> um, look in in New Zealand, I think it's it's a really really tough ask for the force. They, they've come out and they've shown that they can be in the fight with teams. Um, maybe not for eighty minutes yet. Uh, they've got some cavalry come in last week, this week that may be helpful, but the the injuries are, are going to prove too much. So I I think that that line's probably pretty much on the money, and that's not a disgusting res- response from the force to lose by that much. Like, it's going to be tough. So I'm going to say maybe they'll scrape in and do better than that, and I'll say they'll lose by 22. I started at 20, and the more we talked, I just kept adding points on my tip here. So I, I'm at 26 right now from how long we talked about this game. So Crusaders by 26, I think that they're in trouble. I, I just think that the uh, the inconsistency at 9, 10, 12 for the force mm-hmm. is going to bite them against the best 10, 12 combo in the competition by a mile. Yeah, they're in trouble. Right, next game is Blues versus Moana Pacifica. New injuries for this one. You've got no new injuries from the Blues. Moana has uh, Ray Nuia, who had a concussion. He came on late and left relatively early from a, a pretty bad-looking concussion. I guess the only question around the Blues is going to be Roger Duovasa-Shek, but they basically said last week that he was fit and just surplus to requirements. They just didn't feel like they really needed him. So I, 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 I can only take that as... He's on the outer now that he's not hanging around. So why would they continue to put their eggs into his basket with him leaving? So I, I hope that's not the case, but, geez, it was hard to see it any other way after he's definitely been there Form 12. Plummer's been solid, but he doesn't break the line in the game open like two of us Shek does. Yeah, look, I, I think you've probably read it right. Uh, Plummer's been good for sure, and, and I think that if he wasn't well, maybe uh, wasn't doing well, Roger two of us Shek does come back in, but... He's been doing well enough to, to keep him out. Yeah. Um, odds on this one, Blues, a buck and two cents, same as the Crusaders line. Moana, $11. So, of course, the line is 24 and a half. You guessed it. The Blues, Akira has been on the bench for two weeks in a row. Segna's been exceptional, but it's Akira. So, surely he starts at six, doesn't it? I mean, it, Yes, maybe because they're versing Moana. Like he's clearly not the the first choice at the moment. I know he's come back from injury. He's been on the bench for a few weeks. They haven't rushed him back in to start. So, you know, they've done this in the past as well. Maybe they don't think he's 
you know, as fit or in the form to to rush back in. But if he's going to get a start, this is a good game to do it and, you know, bring him back in into that starting role. It is Akira. He will be an All Black, you know, later this year. So um, he'll be in the squad. He is Akira. But, yeah, look, he... He, he's just got to take his chance if he's there. We we said and we think that maybe he has been sluggish and maybe the fitness isn't there after returning from his injury. And, I mean, whether that's enough for the Blues to want to keep him off that starting side to, to give him a bit of a kick up the bum, you'd think a World, uh, a World Cup is enough of a motivation, but yeah, it's hard to know. Yeah, Patrick Tuopolato as well. We haven't heard anything. We know We know he flared his knee up. Don't know what that exactly means, but um, no word on a return either way from him. So we're assuming Sam Darry and Cameron Suofoa continues. With- I think obviously Tucker is the other option who I think he's had a couple of really good involvements, but I suspect that was before Sam Darry was fit early in the season. So I just think he sits behind those guys in the uh, in the rankings more than anything. He has been so good when he's he had been so good, man. He had one really good game and a couple of good other involvements. You talked him up. He got a run, did really well. An article came out saying he's been so good. Like, where's he been? And that they've found that, you know, he's... Did you write that? What? Did you write that article? Maybe when you... (laughs) I was trying to flog him off for a trade or something. But, yeah, no, he's been good. I hope we're seeing him involved. But, look, the Blues... He was on the bench last week, so I I would think he gets minutes, but... um... Yeah, I, I just think they, they really rate Sam Dario. Let's go back a few years ago when they, they pinched him from the Crusaders and he was an awesome buyer. He's just been a bit injury plagued, but he's an excellent player and has been playing so, so well. And I think Sewer Fowler's been improving every game as well. So it's actually a fantastic three locks to choose from without, you, you know, essentially one of the leaders of the side, Patrick Tupolotto, if he's out. That's uh, it's not too shabby. Be crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, look, but all in all, the Blues have remained pretty stable, especially in their backs with their selections um, throughout the, the year. Obviously, we had no Perifetta last week with Sullivan filling that 15 jersey. Um, well, can, can you remember what was why was Perifetta not there? Was it just a rest week, we, we thought? In his shoulder, he was cooked, so he'll be gone right. for a while. Yeah. yeah, so he's gone for a while. So Sullivan's still there in that 15 jersey and probably no real other changes in yep. the backs yeah, that's right. And and on the uh, Moana side of things, look, I, I don't think there's really any big personnel changes for them. That's a scary thing. I think they actually have some of their strongest players out there. I think they're still missing the likes of, you know, Sam Slade in the locks. Obviously, Kepler would be huge for them as a spiritual leader. Um, but really, otherwise, I feel like they got most of their cattle back. Uh, Tamatini made his comeback off the bench last week. So it will be really interesting to see if he takes that first choice number nine jersey or if Arianari can hold him off there. Um, but not many changes I would expect. It's just how do they manage to get themselves in more games because they're not doing it at the moment. I don't know if this counts as a home game because it's in Auckland, but there's actually going to be a crowd. So uh, maybe it's a double home game and uh, maybe that's the one thing that is in their favour this week. No, they're, they're not used to crowds, so it can't feel like a home game. Um, look, the, for them, they've really got to shore up their discipline. Last week against the Rebels, look, they went down by 10 points. They scored, you know, I think some points relatively late when the, the game was already, you know, probably lost. But they had three yellow cards. They gave mm-hmm. away 16 penalties. You do that against the Blues, and that's just, you know, 
bulk points. They're going to kick it from anywhere if they feel like they need to. But more than likely, they're just going to score tries off the back of it, walk you up the field, and and they're they're so clinical that they'll they'll end up taking points throughout that match every time you make those mistakes. Yeah, look, it's it's definitely one I'm worried about in terms of blowing out. The line we said it's twenty four and a half. Have you got any uh, any thoughts on what the what the end result might be? Um, look, if if I do my deep deep analysis of how they've gone recently, um, I reckon you know they come close against the Crusaders and, and a few other sides, but they let it slip against teams like the Highlanders. Look, I I hope it doesn't blow out and become a, a massive shellacking. Um, and, and that they feel there's a boost at home, and I'm going to say they'll lose by on point 24 points. Wow. Okay. I think that it's going to be worse. I just, I just Pretty. can't really see them competing. To be honest, I'd they should. I actually like so many of their players. I just don't think it's going to happen. But I'll go 29 points. Yeah. Look, I I just hope more than anything. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, pushing right along, we go to the Reds versus the Tatars in Townsville, this one. Um, so I guess a Reds home game in that regard. And the Reds women will also be playing in the grand final on the same day as well. So they've got the double header, which is pretty cool. Um, new injuries on this one. Uh, we, they did have James O'Connor go off at halftime, but that was just illness last week. So we expect he'll be fit and firing, and he was in great form in the first half. Um, and not sure for the Tars, again, Gleason he went off at the half and he wasn't quite 100%, but not exactly sure where he stands. Um, he was only just back from a calf injury, so hopefully not a recurrence of that. Um, anything else there, Nils? Um, We've also got uh, in the returns column, we've got Angus Blythe returning after his red card. Um, I I think you know, that, was, that was quite a bad card. Um, I, I hope we see him maybe come onto the bench, not rush back into the starting side because that's that was a pretty big uh, mistake. Waratahs, we've got Ned Hannigan hopefully returning from his concussion along with Harry Wilson, which which will make some changes, especially I think with Hannigan coming back. Um, what what do we see here for the line and the odds? Yeah, so the the, the Tars are paying one sixty. They're the favourites. Tars at two twenty five. The line is three and a half points. So expected to be relatively close. Twice. Yeah, the the Reds are one one sixty. Oh, sorry, is that what I said? I think you said Tars um, are one sixty and Tars are two twenty five. So that's... I mean, I, I mean, you can hear how I'm going to tip, can't you already? Um, <laughs> not not biased. Don't worry about that. Look, I, I think the main one that we want to focus on here really is this is the two teams probably vying for the most the second most Wallabies jerseys, and it's just all about the head-to-head. So Michael Hooper versus Fraser McWright. McWright had, well, I think he was the best player in the comp last week. Outrageous, should have scored five tries. Michael Hooper showing me how smart he is with his 50-22, which was brilliant, continuing just to be running at everything. You know, he's the first man chasing a kick. He's the first man covering a tackle, but maybe not making quite the same impact despite his huge engine. Gordon versus Tate. I think Tate's now really in the last couple of weeks realised that he's been leaving a fair bit out of there. So I think Tate running from the half is looking excellent. Again, he's back to his best. And Jake Gordon, as a contrast, I think he started really well and maybe has been a little bit quiet the last few weeks. Maybe just the look of relief showing where his headspace is at after they snuck away with a win against the Highlanders. Yeah, I think you're right there. It's interesting that they're both going different directions at the moment. We've also got... 
the the battle, or hopefully we've got the battle of Gleason versus Wilson. Um, this is a guy that is just super physical in Gleason compared to you know a class player who keeps missing out with you know competition like Gleason, and that's that's Wilson who has really stepped up, I think, through this year and got better and better. Eddie wants him to play how he plays, just lift his work rate. That's a different Wilson. You know, what we've seen from Rennie was saying you need to change how you're running into contact, do all this over-complex stuff, where Wilson, the guy, his strength is running through people, running through gaps. Don't try and change that. The issue he has is his off-the-ball work, he's getting back to his feet, that sort of stuff. So hopefully we see him continue to build and we see Gleason just be the angry bastard we know he can be and this be a real battle between those two. We've also got what is a growing, you know, maybe competition in Parecki and Fasler. He's um he's also a similar side, I think, to Parecki. He's just stable hooker that can throw a line out, scrum relatively well. He was he'd come down to New South Wales last year after being released from the Reds before you know, they sent him an SOS and he went back and he's he's really evolved and grown for them. And he's really becoming a Parecki-like hooker, I, I think, for the Reds uh, of late. Yeah, I th- I've got the only contrast there, I think, is that Parecki's got him by a landslide at the moment in the scrum. I mm. think, you know, it, it helps when you've got someone like Harry Johnson homestead next to you. Tetra Faulkner, a very experienced Lucy as well. And uh, Faisal's got two young props on his on either side of him. But I just don't think that, that that's probably the one area I think they're really quite different. But I, I do know what you mean. Faisal's just that uh, consistent player at the moment. Last time these two teams played up in Queensland, the Reds got up 32 to 20. Um, but the Tars just basically a new team from that 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 one that went up and travelled to Queensland last time. Parecki, maybe Gamble, Fakedi, Nawang and Edawasi were the only starters from that same team last year, which is crazy. And, you know, you, we did say before and I was pre-pod that Carlo Tizano was the opening seven last time. So I wish we had Tizano, but uh, not to be. Yeah, and we had Gamble at, at six that week as well and Harris at number eight. There's just so much ro- rotation in that that back row over the last couple of years for the Tars with a lot of talent there. But, look, uh, w- one of the things we already touched on, does Angus Blythe come in? Right now they've been using Connor Vest, Seru Uru in the locks. Um, do, do you think they, they bring Blythe? Straight back in. Like, I mean, he's, he's a very, very experienced lock, more experienced than those two. Does he come back into the starting side or or does he come onto the bench? Over Connor Vest, 100%. He'll go straight in. They've got Ryan Smith as well. Does he keep staying on the bench or does Connor Vest then shift down? R- Ryan Smith will start, no doubt Ryan about Smith. it. Yeah, he was on the bench last week. So you're saying both those two guys are out? Yeah, so Ryan, Ryan Smith will have a rest last week. He'll be back yeah. starting this week without a doubt because he's had a huge year. And Connor Vest will be dropping back to the bench maybe or out of the 23, and you'll see Angus Blythe straight back in potentially. And what happens to Uru then? Okay, sorry, I, I wasn't counting for Uru. Uh, I, I would prefer Uru on the bench, to be completely honest, but at the same time, I think what will happen in that regard then is that Angus Blythe will sit on the bench and he's still coming off the, the uh, naughty boy chair. It takes a little bit longer to get out of a, a chair like that when you've been out for a few weeks. Okay, so we got there. You, you agree with me after disagreeing, and then you, you realise. So hopefully we see Uru still there starting off on the bench to, to return. not a lock, man. He hasn't been good at lock all year. They need to, they need to move him. Uru? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I, I agree with that. He's a back rower. We've got he, the same he, question we've asked 50 times. Patire or Campbell at 15? It's pretty obvious what we're going to say. Patire at 15. Push on. I agree. Um, Kenny Ravai, give him a start again. Nongor's killing it. Ravai can both, both play uh, both sides. How about we just put both of them on? I feel like that's the start to the game. Drop for Agassi. Yeah, bench. He, look, he's not doing anything around the paddock. Sorry sorry to say that to him, but he's not doing anything around the paddock. Uh, Penny Ravi comes off the bench and makes an impact as soon as he touches the ball. Maybe that's what they want from him, but, yeah, this is a tight game. Get your, get your guns on the field. Yeah. And then uh, on the task side of things, obviously Ned Hannigan back, we said. He, uh, we expect that he'll just go straight back to starting at lock, which means you then bench uh, Sinclair, who can play, obviously, Six, seven, eight, five, four, pretty much anywhere. Uh, they might play him at loose head if they end up down a couple of players. Um, Tony Seal, I think, will continue to start at six. He's been a revelation since coming across and fantastic for the Tars. And then obviously the other jersey hoops at seven, and it's going to be Gleason if he's fit or Harris on the bench. Is that what you got? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, no more changes yeah. to the back line? Uh, no, well, last week, what do we have? We had um, Gordon, Donaldson, Fakedi, Parisi building, I think, well in the centres, uh, Peach and Nwanganitawasi with Jorgensen at the fullback. I, no, I don't think we see any changes to that back line, and, and I hope we don't see any changes to that back line. Yeah, so uh, I, I think, again, the Tars should just run over the red scrum here. If they don't, it's completely disappointing when you think about the cattle that they have even without Angus Bell. So I, I think that's one area of strength. I'd, I'd contrast that with the rolling mall. In the preseason game, the Tars scored two rolling mall tries against the Reds, and we joked, ha, 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 the Tars finally have a rolling mall at the Brumbies. Ha, ha, no, really, the Brumbies, the Reds just have no tight five, and anyone can score rolling malls against them. Well, that has completely changed through the course of this year. It's been exceptional to see the amount of improvement that the Queensland Reds have had in their rolling mall and tight five so far. I, I honestly think that is one of the biggest improvements of any team in terms of a, a pack gelling together. It's really, really, really impressive. I think that they'll have the wood over the task at the rolling ball now, maybe significantly, like back Fazler in for a try. And the Tars will be trying to work out how to hold them out. It's just going to be hopefully Holloway swimming through the rolling mall. Yeah, no, I agree. The The Reds definitely have become a lot more solid unit there. But this game for me is going to be dictated by the back rows. And it's very easy to say that as a back row. But this game is going to be dictated by the back rows. Um, if we see the likes of Hooper step up, um, Gleason have a big game. I, I think it's going to make a huge difference for the Tars. If not, and we just see the the Reds um, back rowers run ragged and you, you get quick ball for, for Tate and, and the blokes outside, and I, I think it's going to be a tough ask for the Tars. I reckon it comes down to Ben Donaldson. I reckon most of the games do for the Tars now. Again, other than maybe the top four or five where they, they're going to struggle, the whole team needs to have a blinder. Anyone outside of the top five, the Tars win comes down to Ben Donaldson playing well right now. And I think that it's going to come down to how well he can put the Tars in the right area of the field to play low-risk footy. They make a few mistakes still. They give away a few penalties still. So it's going to be up to him to steer them around accurately. I don't think he's, he's done, done it last yet this year. I think he's capable, but I don't think he's done it yet this year. Did he play well last week? No. So it doesn't come down to him then because they won and beat the Highlanders. Oh, mate, by a bee's dick because Aaron Smith went off. 
Yeah, look, I, I, I think if Aaron it's, Smith plays for the Reds this week, they'll pump us. It, it's about time we see him step up. He, he's had a good chance here, um, and he's been lucky with Edmund, Edmund and um, Harrison out. Geez, he's very lucky Will Harrison's been out because, in all honesty, I would have seen Donaldson move to the bench and Will Harrison rightfully get a crack in that 10 jersey, and that, that tears me apart that we haven't been able to see that, to be honest. Yeah. And the tip for this one, I'll go first this time. The line we said was three and a half to the Reds. Um, I'm going to say the Reds, despite what I want, will win by five. Five by five. I love it. I love. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Pushing through to the Sunday, we have one more game to get on with. So Rebels versus the Brumbies on the Sunday. New injuries on this one. We had Pone Fa'amal Sili come off with concussion. Sam Talakai limped off with an injury. Carter Gordon may have an HIA. They pulled him off for like 72 minutes. No obvious reason. Seemed filthy about it, so we don't know. And he hasn't been name-checked as out, so I reckon he probably passed his HIA and he'll be there, but it's not guaranteed. If he doesn't play, we'll just put the money on the Brumbies by a million now. Um, and Brumbies, Ben O'Donnell looks – they haven't confirmed it yet, but he's done his ACL, mate. Let's just let's just call okay. a spade a spade. He's, he's gone. He'll be gone for the year. Very disappointing for a, an excellent young player and hope to see the best of him as soon as possible next year. Uh, in terms of the returns, we've hopefully got Stacey Illy for returning from his concussion, Dicky Hardwick from his calf, uh, Josh Cannon, uh, we, we think. I think he's getting pretty close as well, um, if that's correct, Harry. Matt Phillip has also been touted as, you know, an outside chance to return. Yeah, so so Josh Cannon, we just don't know what, what the injury was, but he's meant to be back. I love how you how you you've done this the special of oh Hardwick back from his calf like he's got two of them he's never the calves don't keep people out he had a muscle tear in his calf a big one that's kept him out so he's back from well, his calf muscle clearly tear. means calf injury not the fact that he's got a calf well say calf tear then come on mate people don't know what you know they're not sitting looking at the casualty ward I love the the uh, footy you, you sound like the NRL commentator oh he's got a syndesmosis he's got a syndesmosis. Oh, he's got two, actually, champ, and it's never kept anyone out. We still returning ACL. Matt Phillips. He's got two ACLs. Yeah, it's called an ACL injury, mate. Yeah, you've got to be specific. I mean, I didn't didn't read that. You did. But uh, the Brumbies, no returning players. Uh, The odds here, Brums, 185 favourites over the Rebels, $3.40. The line is minus nine and a half. And then uh, just worth noting, there was a couple of Aussie double-ups in the first half of the season. They played yeah, in very, very frustrating. five weeks, eh? What a yeah, dumb this, draw. These two, two teams are up against each other twice. So, I mean, the Brumbies versed the Tars twice in a month, and now they're versing the Red, the Rebels twice in a month. Like, what, that makes no sense. It makes no sense. It shouldn't happen. When you do the draw, sure, you just do like the round robin and then the teams that play each other after you reset the round robin. Like, doesn't that make sense? I don't understand how. I think the difficulty is around sharing stadiums, things along those lines. But, geez, it's it's annoying to to see. But, look, if if Canham's back, which we're hoping he is, uh, I think he comes straight back in to start with Trevor Hosea, who he's been lifting the last few weeks. If Philip returns and you bring him onto the bench, I think we also see Dickie Hardwick come onto the bench. I know he had a brilliant start to the season, but he's got a tough t- task to get back in with Ekuasi playing really, really well. Um, and, I don't know. And- I think you'll just start at six, to be honest with you. 
I was going to say there is potential to put him at six or to put Ekuasi at six or do whatever you want to no, do I there. Put, putting Hardwick at six, Ekuasi is your big ball runner. Uh, geez, have you seen Hardwick run the ball this year? Yeah, but I, I still like think that he's a six. He's not a mate. He's not a mate. He did well, but he's not a mate. Um, the, the other one is uh, probably Stacey Illy. Does he come back into that 12 jersey? And the Romanian rumbler, Filiwai, to return to the bench, meaning Ripley kind of misses out of that as well. Yeah, I, um, I really like like him, though. Uh, Pincus in particular, I just want to see him get more game time as well for the, the Rebels. I feel like he's exceptional for what he's what he's what the chances that he's had. Yeah, so, look, I mean, their backs, they seem to have actually quite a few players that you go, I want to see more of that, that are doing relatively well. Um, but the, the big question really is, where are the Rebels? Where do they sit? This season, you know, they're, they're they're pulling out a lot of tight matches, but they're not necessarily, you know, able to to win those tight matches. And and I'd been having a chat with a few people on Twitter about Carter Gordon, and and people have been saying it all counts for nothing. All his form counts for nothing if the Rebels keep losing. They need to start winning, or else, you know, he he's not really there or thereabouts. And compared him to the likes of Lolisio, I'm like, I'm sorry. Look at the fourteen blokes around Lolisio. Look yeah. at the you know the guy coming off the bench for him. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not someone that. that I'm not someone that's buying into that at all. But it does prove a point that the rebels are close, and if they're going to start getting some Wallaby selections outside the cohort of there and get a few more <laughs> runs, they're going to have to start getting some wins. And you know they they've got to bear the fruit of all this hard work and, and tight matches that that we've seen so far this year. Yeah, and uh, we had the question there: how how do they fix the second half fade out? To me, it's just bench. It's just have a very good bench. Hopefully they can keep they've, they've had a, I, I've quite liked their bench, but it's just been relatively inexperienced outside of the front row as well. So, you know, you start bringing the likes of Matt Phillip on on the bench coming back from his first week, Dickie Hardwick coming mm-hmm. back as well, then all of a sudden you've got a little bit more leadership at the back end of the game. So I, I hope that's the, the big change that they need. Potential bench, you will see Elof. For Amarcia, if he's not injured, I, I I think he's probably missing this week. Um, but they've still got the likes of who one more potential good tight head. Talent uh, guys out as well, yeah, yeah. Um, but then you throw in Philip. You've got Tamati Yuani and Hardwick potentially there if you want to carry more forwards. Um, you've got Pincus. You've got either Illy or the Romanian Rumbler. There is there is some strike players coming into that and some some real class players. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, ho- hopefully that's the fix for them because it's been very frustrating to see them fade away after such amazingly good starts, matching all the best fixes. teams in the comp. But, uh, look, Kellaway, Andrew Kellaway, probably the only other one worth a mention, just on fire since he's been back. Just so, so good. And uh, it, it's fantastic to see him. He's, he's one of those players you know someone's good when they can have an extended break and come back and just fire from the first moment they take the field. Been better. He's been better. Um, it's, just, it's classic of any excellent international player, and I think that's what he's becoming. On Monday night, there's the the show on stand between two posts. Uh, I don't know if you had a listen. The guys were talking about one of them sort of said, "Is he becoming more and more like Adam Ashley Cooper? He's just stable, not not necessarily how he plays, but the fact that he is never inconsistent. He's never playing bad. He's never making mistakes." Uh, and those things, and there was definitely some disagreements uh, when that was floated. 
But in the sense that he's consistent and he's not making mistakes, that was something that Adam Ashley Cooper, you know, was every week in, week out, that was him for, for years and years and years. And in that fine line, I think, yes, there is those similarities, but not necessarily the rest of how they play. If we're talking similarity, is they're both good players, then yeah, sure. But no, otherwise, I wouldn't think that at all. Andrew Kellaway is a very different style player to Adam Ashley Cooper in my eyes. And I think Kellaway is an out-and-out fullback that can finish on the wing. Adam Ashley Cooper was exceptional wherever he played. I don't think Kellaway's there at any no. kind of international level as a centre just yet. And no. I think he's just rock solid. He's And he's safer. I think he's a safer player than Adam Ashley Cooper. But, but uh, Adam Ashley Cooper is a stronger carrier, whereas Kellaway is more elusive and probably has a bit of a better, more accurate kicking game. So, yeah, I think there's... A, a lot of dis, uh, differences, to be honest with you, personally. It wasn't, it wasn't my point, but I agree with you. Um, who comes in but, to cover why, – why did you say who comes in to cover O'Toole? Who wrote that? O'Toole's not a player. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. O'Donnell, I'm guessing. Who comes right. in to cover o, O'Donnell? Not Corey O'Toole, who's playing. No one. No one. That's what will be sitting on the bench, and if, if it gets back. Yeah, that's – well, there you go. So it's probably Sapsford on the bench then. Yeah, that's, that's what it'll be. Um, really covering yeah, Ikitao, I, we didn't mention him. Ikitao should be back coming back from his concussion, right? So that's that's definitely one that's slipped through the cracks there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a big in for them. As How many well. rolling mall tries to the Brumbies this week? Uh, you got to say two at least. Um, yes. uh, two two is probably a safe bet. But look, the the Brumbies uh, is this a match that they're going to want to? you know, prove that they're still a, a clear step above the Rebels or are they going to find this as a chance where they can rest a few of their players knowing, you know, there's there's only a handful of matches throughout the back end of the year uh, and, and rest the likes of White, rest the likes of Lodiceo. Next week they come up against the Highlanders, so another chance that maybe they could do it, but it's a Kiwi side still. Then the Force before they end with the Chiefs and then the Rebels. They've, they've got a relatively... Easy run home. So, I mean, we may see them rest some players. They might not because it's not that far off the the bye. I just think it'll be small changes from here on out. I think they'll use that Brumbies Chiefs game to really try and lock themselves in as a top two. I think that'll be their their goal for the rest of the season now. Um, and, and I think that you'll just see the odd rotation of one or two players each week just to try and make sure that they're fresh for the Chiefs game. And then Chiefs and uh, and also fresh for the finals as well. So how do you see this one going, Harry? Uh, how much do the Rebels win by in your eyes? The line is nine and a half. So I'm going to say Rebels to lose by 15 points because the Brumbies are a class above. Yeah, look, I, I think nine and a half isn't enough points. Uh, the, the Rebels have been doing very well, lost by 16 against the Crusaders. At home, um, what did you say? How many points? Fifteen. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say eighteen points. Oh, all right, that's big. I got one more listener question to finish the pot off for you. Um, Anton Hoffman, got Hoffman, sorry, got in late at rugby. Why are Hurricanes rugby so secretive about their injuries? Is the first part to it, Nelson? Any ideas? Um, they just don't care about the listeners and the fans like we do. 
put it out there, oh, guys. Because I've just got the title for this one, Nelson Blast the Hurricanes. Just seriously, though, be open about what's going on. You have fans that want to pay their money to watch you guys yeah. and be members yeah. and everything. You, you don't have to give out every fine little bit of detail and things that you think can affect. But if, if a player's injured, just give us the fucking info. Like, yeah, it, it's not going to change your result. Oh, shit, this guy's out for six weeks, not four weeks. Now how are we going to prepare for him this week? Like, just yeah, put it's a, crock. it's a crock. I, I feel like it's just this, like, level of fear of coaches that all of a sudden it gives away their tactics. I mean, and if in doubt, just sneak someone through. Like, we don't care that much. Just give us an idea generally of what's happening. Anyway, uh, the other part of that is what's up with Tu'u and Parry Parry being excluded this week against the Highlanders. Well, I mean, I think we've definitely, definitely challenged uh, the McKelly Tu'u, McKelly Tu'u uh, resting, but um, Parry Parry chicken. I don't know. I didn't think of that, to be honest. <laughs> Where the hell's Parry Parry? Yeah. Uh, is he injured? No. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's. Weird, weird times. Uh, I don't know why they're they're wrestling him. So he was on the bench real, last week. Yeah, some real questions. That's questions for people smarter than you and I, apparently. Well, no, it's questions for the coach that isn't proving himself to be smarter than anyone right now. Um, anyway, that's probably a bit harsh. Maybe, but... maybe you took the back of what, what was Perry Perry's yellow card for? It was for nothing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it was uh it was BS, wasn't it? Was that the one where he was onside and got called off and they gave him a yellow? Yeah, it was, I'm pretty sure maybe they're doing gone, everything right. Do that and and play the next week, Parry Parry. You have to have rest, mate. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, let's finish up with that. Uh if you made it this far, please make sure most importantly you vote Nelson off the pod for next oh, yes. week. Because I mean, he's got to be the lowest, and fifty-one yes, percent is the current fifty. You could go fifty-fifty if you can go fifty-fifty. I'd love 55. it. Fifty-five. I'm expecting Nelson, Nelson. Just keep in mind that he'll have a huge swing vote from all his Twitter accounts to try and vote himself into the podcast. I, look, I I probably won't vote. So, if everyone, make sure you vote me in. Don't probably vote, won't. Vote. Depends how it's going. Depends how it's going. Like if I need a vote, I will. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like us on YouTube, Facebook, everywhere you can, Instagram. Share it with your mum, dad, grandma might like it. Everyone will. So pass it out there. Thank you for listening, and we shall see you next week. Media campaign, but yes. <laughs>